Hello, I'm Jackie Powell here with Tony East. We are going to discuss what he has made of the Carlos Knox era so far. This is the women's basketball, the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. Let's go. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. As I said before, I am your first time host, Jackie Powell here, um, alongside Tony East. Uh, We both contribute quite heavily uh, to the next hoops. I cover the Liberty. I do some social media stuff. Tony covers the fever. We are so glad to be with you today, Um, especially coming off of a game where both of our teams played each other, or rather the teams that we cover. So Tony, thank you so much for being here today. It's fun to talk fever this season. You know, they're much more interesting and fun and all their games are close. Unlike last season when it was six blowout, six wins and a bunch of blowouts. So even though they are three and nine now, they are much more fun, much more interesting. And with the new coach, there's a lot to talk about in Feverland these days. Exactly. And that's where I wanted to start, which which is looking at what the three games and around a week of practice time has looked like in the new Carlos Knox era as he is the interim head coach at the fever. So the first question I want to, you know, lay out for you here is what have you liked so far? And specifically in that LA game, what really worked? Yeah. 101 points, their season high 55 first half points, their highest in a half all season. And I imagine that those will hold for a while, but you know, Knox uh, certainly grabbed the attention of this fever roster, both because he has a lot of player development background, right? His claim to fame in Indy for a while was that he worked a lot with Tamika Catchings, Katie Douglas, and a bunch of NBA players as well. And so on the W side, as a head coach, that is perfect for a fever team with five rookies and a bunch of younger players who are looking to grow together to have that sort of guiding voice. The other part of him that's been appealing to players so far is he played himself, right? He was a legend at IUPUI in Indianapolis, is still the school's all-time leading scorer, his jersey, if you read my piece in the next, is hanging in the rafters of the stadium the Fever currently play in because that's where they played college basketball. So there's a lot of like gripping moments for this roster that he's filled in on. So what I've liked about, you know, for me stylistically so far is two things. One, they've upped the offensive pace, and they said they were going to do that before the season, and they did a little bit. But you can tell, especially in half-court settings, that they try to get into their offense earlier. And for a Fever team that has a bunch of new players, so they're learning how to play with each other, how to play with timing, something they struggled with last season. Getting into their offense earlier both puts pressure on the defense faster, and if they mess up, allows them to reset with more time on the shot clock to get a better shot in their second try. They really try to put pressure on the rim. They had a ton of rim attempts in that win against the Sparks that you brought up a second ago, and when you score 101 points, you're doing something right on offense. Defensively, Knox was um, he worked on the defensive side with Jared Simpson when he was an assistant. So they brought in Gary Kloppenberg to help there, which is like an insane hire for an assistant midseason. But um, he's a big no-middle guy on defense, and they've done a pretty good job of that. 
so far, despite having some struggles offensively since that first game with the Sparks. Uh, their defense has at least remained pretty solid, I think, in those principles and putting players in the right situations to succeed. They're a young team. They're going to have their ups and downs, their waves, whatever you want to call it. But I think so far you've seen a lot of stuff that Lynn Dunn wanted to see implemented and this team needed to kind of take a step in the right direction. That's what's been refreshing to see is new stuff that is working and good for this team. So when it comes to what the Fever have done well and, and under Carlos Knox now for this past week, the person who comes to mind is really Kelsey Mitchell. I mean, I'm, I'm looking up to see how she did in that Sparks game um, when it came to her stats. It says, where is Kelsey? Here. She had 22 oh. points in that game, yeah. And 50% uh, from the floor. So this is a perfect transition. Kelsey Mitchell has been on this team for a long time. She's so young, but it feels like she's been on this team for a long time. What is it about what's going on this season with the Fever where she's really able to shine and show people the player who we thought we were going to see when she first came into the league? I view her as much older than she is for some reason. Maybe it's just the context of the fever. <laughs> she's their second longest tenured player, but I'm like, oh yeah, she's only 26 a lot of the time. I think a lot is in her favor right now. She played for Athletes Unlimited this summer, as you know, or this offseason, not this summer, sorry. And then also played for Team USA. And mm-hmm. I think those two settings of playing with different talent and learning from players who play a lot, with a lot of players who are better than her really kind of helped some stuff click for her in a way that's been really meaningful because her scoring has been insane this season. Still near 20 points per game, 19.4 right now. And then the other big jumper has been her passing. Her assists are at four per game at the moment in that Sparks game that you mentioned. She had three, I believe. You know, that she just basically has kind of had a lot click for her in terms of reading the defense, right? Seeing what's in front of her. Okay, if the defense, this is what she said, like almost verbatim. If the defense does this, I'm going to do this. If they do that, I'm going to do that. You know, she... She has those reads more. She doesn't have to think in the game as much. You know, it's, it's coming to her more naturally. I think you're seeing that seep through in a ton of ways. The scoring is the most obvious one, but also the passing is a big growth there. She's shooting more consistently from the field. Like, she really struggled shooting the ball to start the 2021 season. So, consistency is a big one. That quicker reads is a big one. And I think for her, she mentioned this in training camp, but... You know, not that last year's team was lacking other scorers around her necessarily, although lesser than this year. But, you know, they have some some more capable scorers that aren't her now. And so she's more confident when she passes or pitches to someone else that they're going to make a quick play or get the right shot up right away. And when you're more confident in your teammates, it's easier to set them up and make the right reads. So a combination of a new team, a strong offseason, and just her improving has really led to this perfect blend of a really talented player that the Fever are going to be pushing for her to be an all-star. I think Danielle Robinson has said that to me three or four times jokingly throughout the season. I don't even know if it's jokingly. I think they actually, I mean, she's been good enough to be it so far. So I'll be looking forward to see if she can, can, can carry that all the way through to a trip to Chicago. Oh, I agree. I mean, I think I saw a video of Destiny Henderson, like shouting, all-star, all-star. And I think this is going to be the year. And I think she deserves it. I mean, I was at Liberty practice on Tuesday and Sandy Brondello must have said the name Kelsey Mitchell 50 times in the span <laughs> of when I was allowed to see practice. She was like, you can't let Kelsey Mitchell do this. You can't let Kelsey Mitchell do that. You know, Kelsey Mitchell this, Kelsey Mitchell that. Um, but imagine that just in a much prettier Australian accent that I don't have. And I won't even try. 
You cover Crystal now, Dangerfield. When she was with the Fever, she said, yeah, when I was with the Lynx, I thought Kelsey Mitchell was like the hardest player to guard in the league. You know, like that is kind of the the impression that she has on some of these players, especially some younger ones. So she wasn't an all-star in the bubble year because there was no all-stars that year. I think that was her best shot of her career, but she's been better than that this year. So if, if it's going to happen, if she's going to keep being the talk of other teams as she was at Liberty Practice earlier this week, I think she's doing a great job of that. Absolutely. I mean, I also think it's been... And you alluded to this. It's It's been the fact that Victoria Vivians is healthy. Oh, yeah. I mean, she takes so much pressure off of Kelsey Mitchell. And, I mean, the Liberty had their hands full with covering her as well. I mean, they have uh, – they're a bit um, lacking in the, in the guard department at the moment. So I think the fact that Vivians finally is catching a break has also been huge for this team. Yeah, poor Tori's career, right? Awesome rookie year. Looks like the player she was going to be at Mississippi State. And then one ACL tear, another ACL tear. Just couldn't get healthy, has fought through knee stuff forever. And that's been killer. Like, her highest scoring season still is her rookie year. I mean, she's probably going to break that this year, as I'll allude to in a second. But, you know, that's sort of how injuries have really changed her career. Because she hasn't been able to be as threatening after the injuries sort of took that away from her. This season... The three balls back. She's killing it on jumpers this year. 36% from deep on over five attempts per game. She's driving to the basket a little bit better than she has in past seasons. And like Kelsey Mitchell, she is also passing much better. This team has better play finishers outside of their stars. Basically, every aspect of her offensive game has been the best it's ever been by a lot. And some of it is the recovery from injuries. But she was recovered, air quotes, last year. She was still kind of recovering, but she was recovered last year. She said that it's now been a mental thing. It's been such a long time that she's now mentally passed that she's dealt with injuries in her knees and playing overseas really helped her with that aspect of it too. So not only is she physically healed, she's also kind of mentally flushed and clear of, okay, I'm a formerly injured player. She's now Victoria Vivians. And that has been a big boost for her in terms of playing really well and scoring the ball at a high level like she did on Wednesday. I love that. I love that whole, she is Victoria Vivians. I love that, the, the mind game of it all. Speaking of uh, injured parts, um, I'd be remiss to talk about our one of our sponsors of this show. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Um, with ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it can be really hard to ask uh, your local chain auto parts store to, you know, get the car parts that you need. I mean, is is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? You have computers now with access to rockauto.com, and that allows you to get the car parts that you need a bit quicker than going to that local chain. Um, you save time and you save money when you use Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100%? More for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership. Um, Rock Auto is also a family business, you know, serving do-it-yourself selfers for around 20 years. And Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. Um, Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to make sure that uh, you have the part that you need and your car can recover from whatever injury it has. Uh, Go to rockauto.com right now 
to see all of the parts that are available for your car or truck, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Okay, back to Indiana Feverland. So we talked about what you've liked so far about the Carlos Knox era. I mean, I know it's really hard to judge because it's been three games in around a week. But after the Los Angeles game, the Fever have lost two in a row, both to the Washington Mystics, that are a much more veteran and experienced team, and then to the New York Liberty, who have been struggling due to injuries, due to a new system and coaching staff, and have just been clawing to get a win. So what have you made of these past two games? Yeah, they've been weird games. And that's not to say that, like, it's the Fever's fault that they're weird. But, you know, you were at the Liberty game. There was no flow to that game at all, right? The Liberty were up, like, 15 in the first quarter. Then the Fever up 12 in the second quarter. It was so many just – it was never like – I don't think the same team scored – like, I don't think, or sorry, the alternate team scored twice in a row, like, ever. It was, like, 12-0 run, then the other team went on a 15-0. There was no flow to the game. And then the Mystics game, the Feeble were up 15-2 to in, like, four minutes, right? So they, it's weird. Like, they've been really lineup dependent in their last two losses, where some groups come in and they just, bam, they click right away and they look awesome. And, you know, they're making the Liberty Sweat. They're making the Mystics, who are awesome this year, you know, go, oh, gosh, this team's awesome. And then they have other groups. That really struggle. So I haven't really figured out what the root cause is because, you know, individual player plus minus is kind of useless in a one game setting, but they can tell you what didn't, didn't work lineup wise in that game. And it's not, it hasn't really been consistent of like, oh, this player obviously is struggling or succeeding. So it's been hard to say what, what, if that's a, like what the negative is, but there's just some lineups that haven't clicked in his system yet. But that said, it's only been, you know, eight days, nine days. I can't even time flies so fast <laughs> in these seasons. I think the biggest gripe I would have if I can even have one, it's sort of rotational stuff, you know, and, and with a new coach, especially in, he is an interim tag. Carlos Knox does not want to be an interim coach. He wants to be the head coach. He said that that's in my story. That'll probably be out later today or tomorrow on the next, you know, they just played the Liberty and Bria Hartley first game of the season. And she played well, she deserved to play a lot in this game. She also played more than destiny Henderson. You know, if you're the fever, why, <laughs> you know, like destiny Henderson has been awesome. This season looks like Maybe the future of your point guard position at some point. She doesn't need to start yet. Danielle Robinson's also been good. But, you know, she should be playing more than Bria Hartley. Uh, Tiffany Mitchell plays, and she played well as well. Uh, but Lexi Hall did not play. You know, if you're a coach who's really lauded for his player development as Knox is, and that can happen in practice. I don't want to be a little practice. But it seems like some of these younger players need to be getting out there a little more. And I thought that was something with Marianne Stanley that I thought was a little bit the case as well. So that's something that I've just kind of been puzzled at who's in at what time. But – you know, I like I, I've never in, in the moment been like, oh, that's a weird sub. You know, it's just you look back after the game and you're like, wait, this doesn't make sense. So I think in terms of game flow, he's got a good read. He gets it right. But the product, you know, when they when they lose twice by double digits in a row and they have some like Kelsey Mitchell was a minus 30 against Liberty. I don't think she played bad, but that means some of the lineup she was in were not very good. You know, I think that is the biggest gripe that anyone would have so far is sometimes th- these choices, especially in retrospect, do not look like strong decisions. Yeah, you know, I actually just pulled up the Her Hoop Stats uh, salary cap sheets, and I'm looking at the fever. 
And I see that this is Bria Hartley's final year of her contract, which was traded over from the Mercury. And then D-Rob will be on the team in 2023. So it's really interesting when it comes to managing those point guard minutes, but also when it comes to Bria Hartley and Sandy Brondello spoke post game about how good she thought Bria Hartley looked. And she said, yeah, I've coached Bria. I know what situations she can do well in. I think for coach Knox, it's about figuring that out because you want Bria Hartley playing off the ball. You want her scoring. You don't want her primarily being a facilitator and distributor. I happened to watch the post game with her and Kelsey Mitchell. And she said, oh, yes, I can be a distributor too. But I don't think that's where she's best. And when she was on the Mercury with Sandy Brondello, Sandy understood that. She understood that Bria is someone who can get you points. Um, So I, I find that quite interesting because it's like, Danielle Robinson, at least in my eyes, is sort of supposed to be the the elder stateswoman who's supposed to be teaching Henny Correct. the ropes. Yep. You know? And and Henny could be someone like a Danielle Robinson with a little who's a little bit of a better three point shooter. I agree for sure. When I talked to D Rob in the offseason, she was like psyched to be a leader, which is, you know, some people are, but yeah, I just hadn't heard that from anyone on the Fever team in a while to like grow into that role more next season. So it's perfect that they have all these rookies and she can do that. And I think Danielle Robinson leads the WNBA in laughs per minute. Like she is always joking around or having fun with her teammates. And I think that's great for the vibe that the Fever are going for this year. And she's also playing really well, which is helpful as well. So I think she is the perfect mentor for Henny, both in terms of position. She's been a vet. She's been an all-star. Right? She's been on really good teams that have been to the finals. Perfect. Perfect. Hartley, and again, I, this sounds like shade at Bria Hartley. It's not supposed to be. She's really good. She's got high-level W skills. There's a reason she's on a, a, a an expensive protected contract because she's good. She earned it. She also is kind of duplicative with what the Fever's roster is right now in terms of guards and the positions that they have. And it, it's hard, you know, because she's more of score than distributor, it's hard to find her the right role in minutes that doesn't take it away from a younger player that should probably be playing more. You know, it's just how the Fever's roster is. It's not a knock on any player. So I agree with you 100% about both Robinson and Hartley. And I think that will be part of Carlos Knox's challenges. How does he manage all these minutes and make sure everybody's in the right seat on the bus, you know, to make sure they're, they're in the right role? And, you know, I think... Actually, um, before I respond to that, I want to put a pin in this conversation because covering the Liberty for as long as I've, I've covered them, I've seen what you do or what happens when your coach has multiple rookies. So we will talk about that after I mention uh, another sponsor of our show. We're going to pay some bills for a moment. It is betonline.net. Um, as y'all know, tonight is game two of the two-game set between the Connecticut Sun and the Las Vegas Aces uh, going down tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern in Vegas. Uh, that is the place to bet. And uh, Bet Online, it is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find out uh, the latest developments, news, and odds. 
including the odds of tonight's Sun and Aces matchup, uh, the NHL playoffs, the W, or sorry, the MNBA finals, uh, Major League Baseball as well. And Bet Online is also your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including esports and live betting. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and all that action. Bet online, where the game starts. Okay, now that we've got that all squared away, I do want to respond to this idea of when is Lexi Hull going to get some time? And what I will say about that is I was one of those folks who was very surprised that she went as high as she did in the draft because I knew that physicality was going to be difficult for her to adjust to. Um, I knew that she needed to get a little bit stronger and adjust to the speed. But it seemed like multiple teams, you know, the fever, apparently the aces. There were a bunch of teams that really liked her for her basketball IQ for her toughness and for who she is as a teammate. And so the reason I bring this up is it's this challenge that younger coaches have, which is coaches have a competitive spirit, right? And they want to win. Although they're on a rebuilding team, they want to win. And in the moment that sometimes takes over from, oh yeah, we need our players to develop. In the bubble in 2020, Walt Hopkins was very, um, this was something he did a lot. I'd say to myself, why isn't Jocelyn Willoughby playing? You guys said she was the steal of the draft. Why isn't she playing? Uh, Another example of that, I'm trying to think who else. Oh, Jocelyn, yeah, Jocelyn Willoughby, that was the big one. That was the big one where I kept saying, why isn't she playing? And as you know, she is one of the only folks left right now from that 2020 rookie class. Also, let's talk about Han Shu for a minute. In 2019, Han Shu barely played because Katie Smith did not trust her, did not really find minutes for her to get her feet wet. So that's a that's a huge problem when it comes to developing teams and Coach Knox is not alone when it comes to wanting to be competitive and wanting to win because he's a coach, but also developing those players. 100%. I think every coach in every sport for all of time will have to deal with this struggle. And so a couple other factors are at play for Knox right this second. One is that he's coached three games, right? Like he is trying to leave an impression on his team, on other teams, on Fever staff. He has an interim tag like even more so than other coaches who are trying to win. Like, he wants to keep this job, and I think he's got a really good shot to do it. But, he, you know, winning is a big part of that. Showing improvement is a big part of that. So I think playing vets will be something he might end up doing on occasion just with that in mind. And for the other factor for the fever that is a little more complicated is they have a ton of other rookies, right? If Lexi Hall was their only rookie, you know, I think they could easily prioritize, yes, she should play every game, she should play really solid minutes every game when you also have to find big minutes for an Alyssa Smith and Queen Egbo and uh, Destiny Anderson, you know, and Emily Angst starts like, wait a minute, all of a sudden this is really crowded because Kelsey Mitchell's playing, Tori's playing, you know, like, wait, we're out of room for players. So there are quibbles like, like we talked about Tiffany Mitchell playing and Bria Hartley playing, Bria Hartley playing 
you know, a combined 23 minutes. Like there's some time for Lexi Hall in there. But it is challenging in Knox's situation, at least right now, to play her what I would consider enough. But, but, she, not playing at all should never happen, I think. She's the sixth pick, you know. And I understand that she's really struggled, really struggled so far, especially shooting. You know, it took her four games to get a shot to go. Then she had a really nice game against the Dream, and then it's sort of fallen back into a slump, although, again, not having played very much. Shooting 18.5%. That's that's not good. You know, I don't, I don't want to sit here and say, like, oh, she, you know, she's playing great. Her defense has been solid, for sure. So I think if she gets out of the shooting slump, which is possible, look who she was at Stanford. She was a lights-out shooter, which is why she was a popular draft pick. I think she'll be a quality player. But it's hard, understandably so, to find her those minutes. So that will be something the Fever have to figure out. But I don't think they can continue with her not playing at all. I do not think that's a tenable strategy or one that makes any sense given their current roster construction. I agree. And, you know, just from what I know about, again, I'm going to bring up the New York Liberty and, and players who in college were great shooters and then came over and it didn't go so well. I mean, I know she's a post player who currently is um, not playing this year, and that's Kylie Shook. Um, when I saw Kylie Shook play in the Webble, she was known to be this really good stretch big who played really good defense. Her defense looked really good really good at the drop coverages. It sounds like Lexi Hull is picking up the defensive schemes pretty well, and that's yes. because she's very smart. Um, <laughs> but they both both Shook and clearly Lexi Hull, they just struggled hitting even open looks. I mean, I haven't watched Hull so much, but is she struggling even when, you know, defenses are trying to contest, or is it open looks? What does that look like? Yeah, uh, I would say mostly, uh, unfortunately and fortunately, I guess, is that it's open looks. Like, the shots she's taking are shots that, like, no one in the gym is faulting her for taking them. You know, everyone's like, yes, you are Lexi Hall. You have a shooting pedigree from college. Shoot that. Great. <laughs> that looks awesome. Like, of her, in the first, like I mentioned earlier, her first three games she played, she did not hit a shot. Uh, five of her seven attempts were threes. Like, every game she plays, half or more of her attempts are threes. Right? That's good. That's the the, the role she should have. And She's taking open shots. She does occasionally take contested ones that are a little ill-advised, I would say, but learning the ropes of the game. I just I think she just keeps shooting the ones she's got, and she'll, they'll eventually go down is what I believe, but there has to be a point eventually where you think, oh, maybe not. But, yeah, they've been good looks, which is why it's so perplexing, and I think exactly fits what you're talking about with Shook right now. Yeah, I mean, with Kylie, I just remember she was wide open, and it wasn't like she was missing it completely. And what I remember after her rookie season was – she got in the gym and she worked on her shot in particular. And then she came back and I think she was a 35% uh, three-point shooter, which was much better than what she had in the Wubble. So I have hope for Lexi Hull because she is a hard worker. And I think that's also why the Fever really wanted her. And that's why other teams wanted her because she has intangibles. She doesn't have the physicality on her side. But I mean, I think... The intangibles can sometimes be more important than that raw talent. Um, so um, my last note before we sign off, Tony, thank you so much for joining us. This was this was a great conversation. I think I really learned a lot about what the fever are right now and what this past week has looked like. But I also want to remind our listeners before we sign off that um, – Indiana has uh, a, another professional basketball team. They, uh, yeah, they're, they're, you have a poster on your wall. It says the Pacers. That T-shirt, is, actually. <laughs> oh, 
it's a t-shirt. But yes, we want to remind you to listen to our, I guess, brother podcasts, uh, MNBA podcasts, or Locked On NBA, as uh, we ramp up for the NBA Finals, which is a, you know, West Coast, East Coast matchup. It's going to be really exciting. So uh, our folks on Locked On NBA will be providing analysis, recaps, and just overall excitement. So make sure you join them over there. Uh, This has been Jackie Powell joined by Tony East on the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. Please find both of our work at The Next Hoops. Uh, We live and breathe the WNBA and women's basketball in general. So please find our work there and uh, have a lovely rest of your day.